Now, let me get into the series now. Seven churches of Sardis. Going, uh, seven, the seven churches of Revelation. The church in the city of Sardis. Sardis was a city that was inland. It was kind of a middle-of-the-road type place. Uh, but the story of a lighthouse fits in really good right here. Now, you've heard this story. I believe it to be just a story. I don't think that this is a factual account. Uh, and I might have even used it before, but if not, listen. Now, there's a, a Navy ship, a big Navy ship, and it's uh, heading, heading to shore, heading to a bay, and it, it comes across something on the radar, and the captain of the ship gets on the radio and says, hey, uh, whoever that other ship is out there, you got to move. We're a Navy ship. We're coming through. And on the other end of the radio, the voice comes back and says, no, you move. Now, think about that with our lives for a second. Christ wants us to change. He wants us to repent. He wants us to turn towards him. And the story continues that um, the captain of the Navy ship said, look, this is the, the USS Navy ship, and we are a big, big ship, and it's your responsibility to move. We have the right of way. And the voice on the other end comes back and says, listen, right away or not, you move. And again, I have to ask you, those are the choices that we have to make in life sometimes whenever we really feel like we're entitled, right? Are we going to be the Navy ship here and really say, no, I'm getting it my way or no way? And then, of course, the story goes on. The Navy ship comes back, really starts getting threatening. We're going to get the guns out on you. You got to move or else we will take evasive action to make sure that you move. And finally, the voice on the other end comes back and says, it's your choice. By the way, heads up, we're a lighthouse. We can't move. And when we think about that lighthouse and we think about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and the light that he shines for us, and we think about the kind of church that we want to be that shines that light into the community. Not to say, look at us, we're great, we're awesome, we're big, we've got stuff, we've got a gym. Not to say that, but to give the glory to God and to understand the responsibility that we have to tell people about Jesus. To not be complacent, to not be okay with the status quo, but instead to say, what can we do? as a church, as a congregation, to show the people of Ohio County the love of Christ. That's going to be our responsibility, just like it was the church of Sardis in the city of Sardis. So what about Sardis? We're going to say three things about it today. Powerful, busy, and secure. There was two locations in the city of Sardis. One was up on a hill. It was on a plateau. And you can see from this picture here, from some of the ruins, Way up on this mountain, three sides of this plateau were just a, a drop-off down into the valley below. And then the other side, of course, is where you could get in and out rather easily. And then the other part of the city was down in the valley. Now, there would be a, a big earthquake there in 17 AD, before this letter was written. And that earthquake's going to basically destroy um, all the ruins, that, all the city that is up on top of that plateau. But Rome's going to come in. They're going to rebuild this place. It's a crossroad of trade. They're going to look at it, uh, at it as, a, as a capital center. <clears throat> excuse, <coughs> excuse me. And they're going to put all this money and effort into you know, making sure that this city is rebuilt. But the city on the plateau basically going to be in ruins by the time this letter is written. What else about Sardis? They were the ones to figure out how to separate silver from gold. So 
a lot of, a lot of places would say that uh, this is the, uh, where modern currency was invented. They would make coins of silver or gold. Before, you might have some ore that might have some silver, some gold in it. You wouldn't know how to separate it, and you wouldn't know for sure how much it was worth. Sardis figured this out. But the most important trade was manufacturing and dyeing wool and fabric. That's what they were really, really known for. Now, we talked about uh, Lydia last week and Thyatira. Of course, they had that purple dye down there. But Sardis was really the place that, that would dye this wool, that would stain it different colors, make it all purdy. Again, it was a central location, uh, a trade route. It was defensive to the other cities that were more on that western coast, at least from the east. Therefore, they had a strong army, typically. I mentioned the earthquake before. Earthquakes would keep them from really being able to build um, larger structures like we would have seen in Ephesus or Smyrna. Uh, they had a necropolis, which is the next picture there, Ryan, I believe, or burial mounds. They were known for their burial mounds. They were proud of this. And if you were to even go to, to Sardis today, um, you would be able to see these mounds, and you might not know what they are. Well, it's, it's burial mounds where, where people would be brought to be buried on top of one another, on top of one another, until finally these big hills would be uh, formed. Now, with all that said, a couple stories about Sardis. They were considered to be impenetrable, a city that could not be taken by military force. However, it would be at least a few times. In 546 B.C., the Persian king Cyrus is going to lay siege to the city. But they can't figure out a way to really get in successfully. All right, Sardis has only got that one main gate that they've got to protect, and they've got it well protected. Well, they're down below one day, and they see a guy come down a path on one of the sides of the mountains, one of the sides that wasn't protected as much. It was a Sardinian soldier, and the story goes that he had forgotten his helmet down there. So instead of coming out the main gate and taking the risk, he thought he'd be real sneaky and come out this secret side entrance, come down this little narrow path down the mountain, got his helmet, and then went back up that narrow path, back to the safety of the city. Didn't want to forget the helmet, for sure. Unfortunately for him and the city of Sardis, that was noticed by King Cyrus and his men. That night, they waited till the sun went down, and they followed that path up to the city, caught the city by surprise, and were able to conquer the city of Sardis, where it would re remain under Persian rule until 334 B.C., when Alexander the Great would come in. And again, same type of situation. They lay siege to the city. They can't really penetrate and, and, and take over the city until one night uh, they sent some guys up the side of that mountain, climbing up that mountain, and they find out that there is a guard that has fallen asleep. So they're able to basically take out this guard, and the rest of the army came in, and uh, Alexander the Great's army was able to take over the city while they slept, again, at night, again, by surprise. Now, these are stories that are going to be handed down in the city of Sardis for centuries. Keep that in mind as we go forward today. And what about the church in Sardis? Again, powerful, busy, secure. That's probably what they think about themselves. A few things. Number one, powerful. They're going to appear like they are a church that is really active, alive. But the reality is that they're more like the necropolis, these burial mounds. That they're dead spiritually. 
Maybe they're an active church that's doing a lot of things, doing a lot of stuff, maybe for the wrong motives, but they're dead spiritually. Lack the proper motives and the proper attitude. They think they're secure, have a secure position in their faith. They're, they're the type of believers uh, that are sitting back and staying safe. In other words, we know that, that, that Christ has forgiven us and that we're saved, but we're not going to take a chance. We're not going to risk ridicule or, or public humiliation. We're, we're not going to uh, put our faith out there with outreach. We're going to stay back in our comfort zone and safe, and we're not worried about them out there because we're fine. See, the reality is when you do that, you're vulnerable. And vulnerability is not a good thing with our faith. They let their guard down, they're falling asleep, and they're weak. And we talked about their busy trade with the, uh, the, the dying of the wool. They had pride in this ability to dye this wool, to separate this silver from that gold. But in reality, they're soiled. They have stained clothes. They aren't as white as snow. And it's unacceptable that their actions don't meet the requirements. Now, another note to take before we get any farther into this. This is the only letter, the only church that is addressed by Jesus here that is not praised. He's not going to talk about the great things that they're doing. It's also the only letter that doesn't mention that they are under attack, being persecuted, challenged by false gods, or by Satan. They had it easy. They were in their comfort zone and they were refusing to really take a stand for what is right. Powerful, busy, secure. Let's get into the scripture now. Revelation chapter 3, verse 1. We're talking about their deeds here now. This is the message from the one who has the sevenfold spirit of God and the seven stars. I know all the things you do and that you have a reputation for being alive. There's a little more to verse 1 there. We'll get to that in a second. So we look. He holds the seven spirits. He holds the seven stars, the sevenfold spirit. These, those kind of things, it's kind of hard to interpret sometimes. There's no doubt about it. But I believe what they mean here is the church. See, the church is the possession of Christ. It's not my church. It's not your church. It is Christ's church. Now, we can say this is my church and this is where I come to church. That's absolutely fine. I'm not trying to scold anyone for that. This is my church, this is your church, this is our church, but when it comes down to it, that's just a matter of semantics. When it comes down to it, this church belongs to Jesus, and so do you. And so do you. That's what makes Christianity great. That's what makes faith in the Lord awesome. We're His. Because when He says the church is the possession of Christ, He's not talking about this building. Talked about that last Sunday night a little bit, didn't we? See, the earth is his footstool. So what is this church building to him? Listen, we got to respect this building. And don't ever think for one second that we don't. This is where we come to worship him. But we've also got to respect our temples because this is where the Holy Spirit lives, our bodies, right inside of us. But when it comes down to it, when we talk about the church, we're talking about the congregation, we're talking about people who accept Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. We belong to him. And man, there's no better place that I'd rather be than that. When it comes to this earthly body, this earthly kingdom, though, see, we've been entrusted. Make no mistake about that. 
We are entrusted with his church, with the body. But what we're supposed to do with it is not to stay back and be safe, but instead to reach out, to have our faith show every single day in action and in attitude. We've talked about how every letter Christ says, I know. And again, he says, I know usually your deeds. Uh, last week, he, he talked about in Pergamum, uh, he talked about love, he talked about kindness, all the things that the church was doing successfully. But here, there's none listed. There's not any listed. There's, there's no kindness. There's no love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. It's none of that. Instead, he says, you have the reputation of being alive. The reputation or how they are known. Now, folks, how are we known? As a congregation here in Hartford, how are we known? Absolutely by our fruits. Let me, let me ask you, how do the people of this community look and visualize? When, they, when you say Hartford Christian Church, what do they think? A lot of times you're going to get great reports. And sometimes... I'm just telling you, they call us snobs. That bothers me when people say that about our congregation. That bothers me. I wouldn't tell you that if I hadn't been told that by numerous people. Why? But why? Why, why do you think that about us? Please, come give us a chance. Don't, don't just spread rumors about us. Come give us an opportunity to show you the love that we know that we have. That's the last thing that we want is for anybody to think that we are, believe that we're an exclusive group. This is an exclusive group, though, isn't it? But we want them to join. See, the fact is, this gift is available to anybody that will accept Jesus as their Lord and be obedient to him. Anybody can come in here and be a part of that. I want to be the church that has the reputation that is willing, the reputation that we are willing to do whatever we can to help our community, that we have open doors, that people are going to be able to come in here and feel comfortable and feel welcome right away. And there are, listen, there might be some that are always going to feel bad about the church, no matter what church it may be. But I promise you, we also have that reputation with quite a few. A church that is friendly, that is welcoming, that is ready to show you about that love of Jesus. Folks, we got to continue to do that. Every single day of our lives, we have to be practicing Christians. So I'll ask you today, are you a practicing Christian? Now think about that for a second. I'm not talking about attendance. That's not what I'm talking about right now. Attendance is very, very important. Being committed, being consistent is very, very important. Make no mistake about it. If you really want to be a successful practicing Christian, then attendance and being here is extremely important. But I'm talking about outside of the attendance of this church. Outside of Sunday morning, outside of Wednesday night, outside of Sunday night, are you a practicing Christian? How would you know? By your love, by your faith, by your commitment, by your behavior, by your actions, by your attitude. Boy, I hope. I hope that you don't leave here after a Sunday morning and talk bad about the church. I hope that you don't leave here after a Wednesday night and then on, on, on Thursday morning you're out and you are not living the life of a Christian at all. I hope that that is not the case. I hope that you realize that you represent and I hope that you realize that you have a responsibility to be a practicing Christian every single day. An everyday Christian every day. 
This church in Sardis was having a problem with this. They had a reputation for being a church that was alive. See, the people of the community, they looked at that church and they thought, this is a church that's alive. Maybe they're out. Maybe they're doing things for wrong motives. We don't really know for sure. But all we know for sure is that what Christ says next is that you are actually a church that is dead. Whew. Boy, I wouldn't want to be sitting in their shoes for the Lord to say, your deeds might show one thing, but in actuality, you're dead. Let's look at the rest of verse 1 and verse 2, Revelation chapter 3. You are dead. Reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up! Strengthen what little remains, for even what is left is almost dead. I find that your actions do not meet the requirements of my God. Now you can start to see some reasons why I told you these stories about this city. Again, they all knew these stories. We do not want to be a dead church. Sardis, when they got this letter, they should have been shaking in their boots. And what does the Lord say? He says, be on watch. Wake up. Wake up. Remember those stories. That guard that came down that hill. The soldier that came down that hill. The guard that fell asleep. Wake up. Or this will happen to the church. They understood what that meant. He goes on and says that their deeds do not meet the requirements. Their deeds are not complete. Appearance of being alive, but actually dead. So maybe we should look at what their deeds were for. Were their deeds for Jesus? For the, His love? To accomplish the task that He has given us? To go and make disciples? Or were their deeds for themselves? And what about us? What about our deeds? I know what our church's motives are. But if you participate in these congregational activities that we do, whether it's a Ready Fest or a VBS or whatever the case may be, why are you doing it? For Jesus? For yourself? See, the fact is, anything that we do, we must give God the glory. Oh, it's okay to be proud. And we should be proud of, our, of the programs that we have, like a Ready Fest or a VBS or whatever the case may be. I, I sure was proud yesterday to, to be at the Creation Museum with 18 other people from our church. It was awesome. But God gets the glory. No matter what we do, we better be doing it for the right reasons, with the right attitudes. And if not, we will find that we are doomed Revelation chapter 3, verse 3. Go back to what you heard and believed at first. Hold to it firmly. Repent and turn to me again. If you don't wake up, I will come to you as suddenly, as unexpected as a thief. Or maybe a thief in the night. They understand this. They know their city's history. And the Lord's reminding them that he too will come just as unexpected as, uh, as King Cyrus did or unexpected as Alexander the Great and his army did. And the Lord's reminding them that they better shape up and they better remember, they better be able to recall what they had heard and believed. 
I believe the NIV says received and heard. Don't forget, he says. Don't forget how important, how crucial this is. Don't forget how imperative this is. Don't forget about the message of Jesus Christ. This isn't a social club. This isn't some place for you to be safe. Christianity is not easy. And if you have gotten to a point in your life where you're like, oh, this is just easy, then it's time to make it hard again. I'm not talking about with sin. I'm talking about with your personal outreach. It's tough sometimes when you have someone in your life that is not a believer. It's tough sometimes when people, you don't know how they're going to respond. It is tough whenever you have to ask a friend over and over and over and over again to come to church and they keep telling you no, it's hard to ask them again. Cast the net again, folks. This is too important. See, the fact is no one wants to be disliked. That's why we worry about that someone and someone might get upset. Why do, we, why do we worry about that person? Because we don't want them not to like us. Folks, Christianity is not about being liked. Now, with that said, if we have that fruit of the Spirit, that love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, the way I see it, there's no reason why they shouldn't like us. Maybe that's on them. We have to continue to behave this way regardless. No one wants to be disliked. The churches, we're going to do nice things. It's not just our congregation. Churches across the country, across the world, they try to do nice things. But when we do that, we must not soften the message. Because the first time that we say we want to be liked so much that we're going to do nice things, that we're going to compromise what the Word of God says, we're in danger, just like Sardis, of being doomed, of a church that appears to be alive but is actually dead. Folks, we can't risk it. And that's why we've got to go with what the Scripture says, what we've heard, and what we believe to be the gospel truth about Jesus, no matter what popular opinion or trend might say different. See, the fact is, no matter what, we've got to obey and repent. He's given us time. Like we talked about last week, he is giving us time to repent. Do not hesitate. Turn away from your sin and turn back towards Jesus. If we do that, we will find that we will be delivered. Revelation chapter 3, verse just 4 through 5 is on the screen. In conclusion today, it says, it says this. Yet there are some in the church in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes with evil. They will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. All who are victorious will be clothed in white. I will never erase their names from the book of life, but I will announce before my Father and his angels that they are mine. Again, they understand this cloth of white type stuff. This is what they were known for. They understand, they get, they get it. And to have your name announced before the Father and the angels, yeah, that would be awesome. Verse 6 is not up there, but it's going to say, he who has ears, let him hear. That's how every one of these letters is ended. See, the fact is, 
with the church in Sardis, this doesn't have to be the end. This doesn't have to be the final thing that we hear about them and that this is it, they're doomed. They can repent and they can get back to doing what the scripture tells them to do. This doesn't have to be the end. Listen. That's what the Lord's saying to them. Listen. Make sure you hear this part right here. You can walk with Christ. You can. Even in this city, even in this city of Sardis, that was powerful, that was busy, that was secure, that was alive, seemingly, there's time for us to wake up and to realize the responsibility that we have to walk with Christ. The choice is yours. Just like that ship that was heading towards that lighthouse, they had a choice to make, didn't they? Our choice to walk with Christ, that's your choice. Are you a practicing Christian? Do you have that fruit of the Spirit in your life every day? Or do you just come to church? Are you a Christian, a practicing Christian? Again, I say you can walk with Christ if you choose to. Yes, you can. Let's pray. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you so very, very much for this opportunity that we've had to come here today to worship you. Lord, help us to stay on that path of righteousness. Help us to never turn away from it, never to compromise from it, and never to fall asleep, Lord, with the responsibilities that we have. Lord, help us to wake up instead, to understand the urgency of your message. Help us, Lord, to know that we can walk with you and that we should always continue to do that. Thank you for the message that you've allowed us to hear and to believe. Lord, help us to spread that message with everything that we say and do. We ask all these things in your Son, who gives us those white robes, most precious and holy name, in the name of Jesus. Amen.